got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeb here, and in today's video, we are going to be talking all about the price drop that we've seen over the last couple of days on Bitcoin. As you guys know, Bitcoin is currently sitting down around $42,000, but it comes at a very interesting time because there are a plethora of major bullish developments going on in the cryptocurrency market. We're going to be talking about a lot of those. Twitter's going to be adding an Ethereum tip jar. We've got some miners not selling Bitcoin as they used to in the past, instead selling, instead selling stock. That's a really big deal. We've got some major signals coming in, such as the fact that Colorado Colorado is now going to be accepting state taxes in cryptocurrency. You heard that right, folks. Whenever a state starts adopting crypto so that you can pay taxes in it, that is the path to legitimacy of cryptocurrency. That is a huge, huge deal. Red Bull is going to be partnering with Bybit for their Formula One team for one of the biggest sponsorship deals in the history of crypto and so much more. The fundamentals right now on Bitcoin are absolutely phenomenal. And we're going to be diving into not only the fundamentals, but we're also going to be doing a deep dive on the price action of Bitcoin and talk about where we think Bitcoin is going to be heading over the next week and change. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tim's TA. How you doing, Tim? What's up, everybody? I, uh, you know, we're also going to briefly, and I, I stress briefly, uh, look at that Russia stuff. It's breaking right now. There's a lot of unknowns. We're not going to go into detail because, again, there's a lot of unknowns. No clear but news. We are very aware of that happening. I know a lot of you in chat are looking at that. Uh, on the on the brighter side, though, guys, I'm three followers away from 3,000 on Twitter. And you know what I'm going to do? As soon as I see it, I'm going to make a post that says this, that for, to celebrate my 3,000 followers, I'm going to follow everyone who comments on that post. Oh, wow. So make sure. Wow. Go go follow me on Twitter at Tim's underscore TA, and uh, then I might, I might follow you. Boom. There you go. Well, guys, thank you so very much for that. Go follow Tim's TA. I am also joined, as always, by Kelly, our analyst. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing excellent. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I have 42. We, we mentioned it yesterday, but I feel like I have 42 or maybe 51 knives that I'm juggling. And uh, they're starting to feel like, like, like Tim said, like I'm juggling them on fire, yep. but it's a good fire. It's a fire of passion and uh, excitement for what's going on with Bitcoin. We got some price action, but if it feels like it's super volatile and it's da dancing around too much, well, then all I can say is when in doubt or when in fear, zoom out, you'll see it's up and to the right. Uh, we got some really great headlines we're going to run over today. Some great discussion. Uh, and a couple of really awesome metrics that are that are uh, basically shining through all this uh, and really supporting a, a really bullish narrative uh, that should be playing out soon. Uh, are we already are we already in the middle of a, a bullish reversal or is it going to pull back? I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's dive into that uh, and see what's happening. We got a lot for you today. Absolutely, we do. And guys, we also got a like button for you. Smash that like button. Let's see us get to 250 likes over the next couple of minutes. Thank you so very much for the 700 people who are already watching. Shout out to Smay running the production. How you doing, Smay? Good to see you, buddy. Oh, 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 hello, oh, 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 hello, guys. I am doing so great today. And I, and that's not my right Twitter handle, so on my lower third, it lied to you. Uh, and I have a sticky note here that says, fix my lower third, and I didn't do it, so I'm a big goober head. Oof. But I would like to say to you guys, I would like to say something to you guys. Guys, Jesus loves you. He does. And uh -huh. no matter what you're going through, guys, 
he's there for you guys. Just reach out. Just reach out, guys. Uh, it is the best decision I've ever made in my life, and I guarantee it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. But oh, uh, another great thing I would like to say is I would love to shout out some of the members in the chat because I love the members so much. Oh my gosh, I just think about them every day. And one of the, the my, some of my favorite people here we have Why You Loud, Spirit Maker, uh, Grand Roofing Incorporated, JoJo, Adam Rourke. Uh, we got Mike Markle, Dennis Pizarka, Crypto Set Guy, Leon the Dutch. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You guys are the Did best. Did you say Spirit Maker? I, uh, I think so. I spirit Maker. What's up, know. Spirit Maker? Uh, guys. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being members. And guys, tune in after this stream. We're going to do a very quick, not super long, probably 15 to 20 minute members Q&A after the stream. So stay tuned for that, guys. Absolutely. Stay tuned, guys. We're going to be doing that. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We cannot wait to jump into it. Guys, hit that like button. We're almost at 250 likes. We are going to jump into our market pulse. We're going to talk about where the cryptocurrency markets have gone over the last 24 hours. And then we're going to jump to Kelly so that we can run through some headlines. We got some major bullish developments going on. We're going to talk about that. Then here around the top of the hour, we're going to jump into our Bitcoin technical analysis. A lot to dive into there. We're going to be looking at a 20 and a 50 moving average cross, <clears throat> and it's going to be great. Taking a look here at Bitcoin. We can see that Bitcoin is currently trading at $42,200. It's down 3.4% over the last 24 hours. ETH sitting at a flat 3,000, down 2% over the last 24 hours. Binance Coin down 2.5%. Cardano down 1%. Solana down 2%. Avalanche, which was doing very, very well, down 2% right now. Luna down 3%. Overall, the total cryptocurrency markets are down slightly, but they're not down that much. They're just down a little bit. And that is actually pretty encouraging because we're having a small correction. Small correction isn't a bad thing, guys, but it does mean that we are, you know, going through a slight uh, corrective movement and then we're going to see where this goes over the next couple of days. Adam is sitting up here at 6% up, Dash up 3.64%. I remember when Dash was in the top 10 back when they were running master nodes and everything and everybody was making a ton of money putting a quarter million dollars into Dash running, running nodes. Dash used to be a big deal. Dash is a reminder that just because a cryptocurrency is in the top 10 right now that it might not always be. So it's important to diversify your bags and make sure you really understand the fundamentals of a project and you understand the competition that it is facing because Dash has really been outcompeted by some other projects. Nexo up 3%, Bora up 2.5%. In general, we're seeing about 80% of the cryptocurrency market is down right now. We got basic attention token, Polkadot, Algorand, eGold, all of these down. Tim, let me ask you this question. It seems like we're supposed to be going into a big rally right now. Over the last two weeks, we've confirmed an uptrend, I would say. Why are we seeing a correction right now? And why are we not just breaching $2 trillion market capitalization with confidence? I've, I've, been, I've been kind of saying this for a while. Some of this news is not what people think it is. And it, 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 you, they post stories at right times. They post at a certain time it's supposed to be a bullish story. Other times it's supposed to be a bearish story. Here's what I'll say. Very few stories that have come out recently have carried with them heavy, heavy, heavy facts. What I'm excited about is the potential about some of these stories to come true, but none of them have come true yet. Even the big bad bear in the room, the Fed news, really carried with it no weight significantly. So fundamentals outweigh TA when there's actually something happening. But when there's not something happening, like what we have seen, there's been a whole lot of nothing. TA is pretty solid. And the TA has said, 
it's not quite ready for a rally just yet. And so I've been, I, I predicted this drop yesterday as we were rallying and a lot of people were naysaying, but it was because I was just yeah. looking at the technicals. There was no real fundamental news happening to counter what I was seeing on the charts and it's happening. Yep. No, I mean, that's what we're talking about. We talked about yesterday how we could see Bitcoin drop down to $43,000. It did actually do that and it bounced for two hours. And then over the last hour and change, we've actually broken down to 42,000 again. This is not necessarily a terrible thing though, guys, because you got to realize the left shoulder of this inverse head and shoulders pattern that we're printing right now did a very similar thing. We came up and tested several times before finally breaking to the downside. Now we're just doing the same thing over here. We're actually making this right shoulder about the same size as the left shoulder. So the simple fact is this is not over. This head and shoulders pattern is not invalidated, but it just it does just mean that we're going to need a little bit more time for things to print. Now I'm going to throw it to Kelly and he's going to take us uh, around the cryptocurrency markets. We're going to look at some headlines. We got some big headlines, some massive, massive bullish developments going on. Guys, you're not going to want to miss this. Strap yourself in because some of this is going to go down in the history books. I'm not joking. Some of this is like, you're. this is going to be remembered and this is going to be taught in school. So let's go ahead and throw it to Kelly. Kelly, take it away, my friend. All righty. Well, we got a couple headlines. We're going to move through fairly quickly just because it's uh, ultra bullish on uh, some of the developments that are happening around the chain, around the block. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to do that. And uh, then I'm going to dive right into uh, a two major stories we're going to discuss a little bit. So first off, you can see, I, I don't know if you remember a while ago, Bit uh, Twitter integrated Bitcoin into a tipping feature for all iOS devices. Uh, and now that Jack Dorsey's left, that's why it says, sorry, Jack. Uh, but they've now integrated Ethereum into that uh, tipping function. Uh, so you could tip uh, other, whether it be content creators or anybody uh, that was that had this set up uh, on their uh, on their Twitter profiles. Uh, and as you can see, uh, they basically said, like like Twitter, digital currencies operate, operate without global bar barriers. We're excited to incorporate Ethereum in addition to Bitcoin payments and tips. I think this is just another one of those things, not only Bitcoin, but it's nice to see broader, uh, having an expansion to, to the broader ecosystem using the Ethereum. Uh, and you know, I'm sure in the future that we'll have some other coins uh, that they will expand to as well. Additionally to that, uh, we got MasterCard, uh, which of course MasterCard is a major, major institutional player globally. Uh, and they've basically added crypto consulting services in latest uh, effort to boost cryptocurrency adoption. Uh, what, what it says here is uh, th the reason why this is important is MasterCard's consulting efforts with banks and merchants cover a range uh, cover a range of digital currency capabilities from early stage education, risk assessment, and bank-wide crypto and NFT strategy uh, development to crypto cards and the design of crypto loyalty programs. So this is incredible because it's going to help get a lot of that data and information and uh, basically awareness uh, across broader markets uh, within with broadest institutional markets. Incredibly bullish. Uh, this we've been talking about for quite a while. I've been mentioning this uh, regularly over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bitcoin miners selling stock at, uh, as basically Bitcoin is basically the, because the price is pulled back, uh, the profits and because there's so much hash rate right now and there's so many competing uh, miners uh, on the network, they're making less profits from mining currently because the price is down. But the the major shift here, and this is critical, is the fact that uh, rather than selling Bitcoin to uh, cover their costs and cover profits like they have in the past, which has created more down pressure when we start having downtrends or even starting downtrends in the past, like we saw with F2 pool last year, uh, which uh, Crypto's RS George had uh, done a little digging and found that out. Uh, miners are now 
holding on to their their Bitcoin and they're more incentivized to because these major, major institutional players uh, that are Bitcoin miners now because they're publicly traded, as, as you say right here, their shareholders want them to hold their Bitcoin and not even think about selling it. And this is incredibly bullish because this is re removing a layer of sell pressure that is kind of, I don't want to say plagued, but is weighed on the market uh, extensively in the past, especially in downtrends or especially leading into downtrends as profit as Bitcoin's uh, price started to skyrocket and Bitcoin uh, miners needed to take profits along the way to cover their operational costs. Now they're not doing that. They have publicly traded, uh, they're in a publicly traded ecosystem and they have other ways that they're they're basically pulling profits from that. Now into the two major news stories we're talking about, uh, SEC, SEC filings have mentioned, uh, basically mentioning Bitcoin have skyrocketed in 2022, signaling institutional acceptance. This is incredibly bullish because, uh, as I mentioned the last few days or the last uh, month almost, because the price action has been where it's at, I'm very excited to see at the end of this quarter what that's going to be showing in terms of uh, institutional adoption on those quarterly reports. And then the biggest story of them all is Colorado to accept Bitcoin for state Holy taxes. Cow. And I actually have two two headlines here. Uh, this other blurb, uh, essentially they're going to be doing this as early as uh, this this coming summer. Uh, so this is incredibly bullish. So, so there's a lot of, lot of bullish things going on underpinning what's going on, despite some of the geopolitical nonsense. Uh, so I'm very curious. Jeb, what are your thoughts on how all these stories may tie together or even, or is, is, or are all the other ones just more bullish uh, sort of fodder and the, this Colorado news story, a Colorado Bitcoin accepting tax payments in Bitcoin? Is that, is that the thing we should be really focused on? Yeah, well, I'd say the Colorado news is absolutely the biggest story of the hour, the biggest story of the day, the biggest story of the week, and probably the biggest story of the month. Maybe not the biggest story of the year so far, but definitely one of the biggest stories of the year. The reason that that is the case is because the final frontier of Bitcoin adoption and cryptocurrency adoption is the ability to pay taxes in it. That is the final thing that was always going to take place. We've seen institutions slowly, then more quickly, then very fastly, very quickly moving into the cryptocurrency space over the last three to four years. But we've seen the governments of the world lag behind. Last year, it was a very big deal when El Salvador formally adopted Bitcoin because you want to talk about legitimacy? How about a sovereign nation of over five million people adopting your currency? That's a sign of legitimacy. That hasn't happened in a major way in the United States. We have not seen, to my knowledge, a state that is actually done this and Colorado is moving in that direction. Some states have been moving in that direction, but Colorado was now one of them. We've seen different cities do that, but now that we see states doing that, we take the next step. You know, we've already seen states like my, uh, uh, excuse me, cities like Miami and some other uh, cities um, working with city coins, working with taking taxes and uh, in crypto and holding crypto on their balance sheet. But now we're seeing states do that. The three forms of government in the United States are st are uh, local, state, and federal. So as we see the Bitcoin adoption moving from local to state, that's a big deal because that's the next step towards federal adoption. I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon, but if we do want to see federal adoption, the best way to see federal adoption is to see 30 or 40 states accepting Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as taxes. And those federal government would just be kind of forced to end up doing the same or be in defiance of the rest of the states, it would be very difficult for the federal government to defy Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at that point. So it's a very big deal from the traditional standpoint. In fact, state level adoption in the United States is one of the, at the moment, I would say the biggest possible form of adoption that you can see. If we look up Colorado's uh, population, 
Colorado has a population of 5.7 million. El Salvador population has a population of 6.486 million. So El Salvador and uh, Colorado are roughly very similar sized uh, nations versus states. And we see a similar thing in the major Miami metropolitan area. It's relatively similar in size and GDP to the entire nation of El Salvador. We're seeing major developments going on fundamentally. All of these other stories are very important. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about miners not selling their stock. That's a, or excuse me, not selling their Bitcoin, but selling stock. That's a huge deal for the underpinning of the hash rate. We're also seeing MasterCard adding consulting services. All of that's huge, but I would say the Colorado story is the biggest. Tam, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Why is it so important that a state is adopting Bitcoin or at least moving in that direction? Well, I, I, I mean, it's not just a state, it's multiple states. And we already yeah. know that Texas, Wyoming, yep. I mean, even even though Miami's not a state, Miami should be its own country. Miami's really big enough, yeah. Miami's going that way. Arizona's going that way. Uh <laughs> I almost think that this story isn't as big as the smallness of the story. It's another domino falling. We have 50 states, and that's what? Uh, we got five or six of them yep. now. We're pro, I forgot about Kentucky. Kentucky's pro-Bitcoin. Uh, Two years ago, none of them were. The truth is, <laughs> there's probably one. We're probably going to find out here in the next couple of weeks, if not months, that there's a lot more states that are currently working on getting this way. This is, goes back to what we were talking about yesterday on the show, and that's why we actually we clipped this to put it in the afternoon because we thought it was so important is crypto and specifically Bitcoin is an unstoppable train. Yep. We've said that many times before. We're going to continue to say that in the future because it's true and it's becoming more true every single day. And what I love about this story is it's like I said, it, Colorado saying this not a, I don't think that individually is that big of a deal. I think someone said in chat, I agree with them. Who is going to actually pay their taxes in Bitcoin? The fact, the, the point that's important isn't that people are probably going to do it. The fact that is now that they're able to. And yep. as we start allowing people to be able to do things, it's going to actually bring fruit. For example, I think we talked about it here just a second ago. Kelly brought up the concept of those miners. Or did we talk about the miners yet? I believe Kelly did. Yeah, Kelly, he, he, he mentioned the miners. Mentioned the miners a yeah. lot of those miners, the reason they're selling, we see in the past those miners sell not because they are forced to. They sell when they're like, hey, Bitcoin's a little overpriced. I'm gonna get some profit, make some nice money, and then it'll fund me for the rest of what I need to do. Right now, miners do not want to sell, but they have to, because they got a lot of Bitcoin on hand, not a lot of cash, and they, they can't spend it. Things like this happening will allow miners to say, you know what, I need to pay my taxes, I need to get. I need to do some exchanges on Visa, or I need to make some payments. Hey, I'm able to pay in Bitcoin. Why change my Bitcoin in US dollars to pay it I'll just go ahead and pay in Bitcoin. It's the ability to do something that unlocks the future potential of what Bitcoin's truly capable of. And in law, there's a concept called precedent. And what it does is it sets the precedent. If different states are formally adopting Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, then that sets the precedent that other states should. Yeah. And then that sets the precedent that other nations should. And eventually that would set the precedent that the United States should. So may I wanna ask you really quickly, what is your opinion on states adopting Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Is this a really big deal like I think it is as far as this is going to set the precedent for other nations to eventually adopt crypto, adopt crypto, which would obviously be huge? Or do you think that we shouldn't even worry about states adopting crypto? Because when you think about state-level adoption, you're actually looking at a centralized adoption story when we should be looking at it from an, a decentralized adoption standpoint. I actually think it serves the decentralized adoption standpoint. And the reason why is that ultimately, if these, if these states start accepting taxes in crypto and they start implementing crypto systems or whatever, all that's going to do is make the average citizen 
you know, potentially start to trust the idea of crypto, right? If they know that they're, if they can see that that's where it's trending, they're going to trust it. And then I think you're going to see more people. Um, there's going to be more people that are going to look into adopting Bitcoin for themselves, right? I, I think especially when you look at the the amount of the amount of uh, I think shaky foundations that people are on in terms of in, in terms of their trust of of leadership right i think you're going to find that when uh people are educated and they learn and they begin to they starts with trust then the learning right then when they go into the learning and the education they find that bitcoin is decentralized and no one can manipulate it no one can control it and it's 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 it belongs to everybody right i think at that point that's where you're going to see a lot of people uh, a lot of communities uh small communities starting from the bottom investing in cryptocurrency and then exchanging it amongst themselves and we're seeing it in small countries but we're going to see it in small communities and then it's going to grow from there mm. bubble out from the ground uh, and i think that's i think this is just a, a way of building that trust for people to move in that direction absolutely well let's go ahead and jump into some technical analysis here i know you guys are ready for it so let's go ahead and jump onto my screen as you guys know bitcoin has been trading between a couple of very important zones of support and resistance what, the zone of support that we're looking at here is about $40,500 all the way up to $42,000. And then the zone of resistance here is from $45,500 all the way up to $46,700. These two zones are the zones that we sh that we mentioned, that we showed you about two weeks ago, that Bitcoin would be trading between these. And depending on what Bitcoin does here is going to really show us what the decision is for the next couple of weeks. If Bitcoin is able to break bullish here, then we're going to 52000 more than likely, and we're going to test that. And if we break it, we're going back to all-time high. If we break below this support level, then we're probably going to go back to this uptrending level of support here. And if we don't manage to hold there, then we'd probably be going back down to $36,000. Now, I don't personally think that we're going to see Bitcoin going back down to $36,000. As we're going to talk about here in a second, I think that we actually are in a firm bullish uptrend now. It's just a very weak and fragile one. But it does raise a question when we start to see big drops like this, because over the last couple of hours, we've seen a lot of bearish action. In just the last six hours, ever since 3 a.m. this morning, when Bitcoin was trading at 44000 we have dropped $1,800, negative 4%. So really quickly here, I'm actually going to throw it to Tim even before I get into a lot of stuff. Tim, what do you think the, what, why do you think the bears are coming out in such force right now? I thought that Bitcoin was in a confirmed uptrend. Why are we seeing so much um, shakiness in the market? Well, you know, uh, when you're hunting and you set a trap for an animal, the animal thinks it has a great deal going on. Right yeah. up until the trap gets That's pulled. A great point. That's a great uh, point. So I, my opinion on what I've seen with this price action is I think that this is a bear trap. There's a reason why it's called a bear trap, or sorry, bull trap, a bull trap. They've been. They've been giving the bulls everything they want, and that's the problem right now. I actually was going back and forth with a person today on Twitter uh, where he's talking about, man, I'm getting, I'm getting so impatient with Bitcoin. I just want it to move. Guess what? Guess what hunters feed on? They feed on an animal's impatience to do it, you know, mm. digging. Some animals are so smart, they can see the trap. Like There are animals out there whose brains are so high, they understand what's happening is a trap. But the impatient ones fall for it. In the same way, bulls are getting so bored. We've had such downward and boring action on Bitcoin recently that that the the bears know or the whales know, you, you, whoever you want to blame it on, they know, hey, we just give them a little something here and there. We can get them to, to buy really high so that we can take profit, bring the price back down, 
get up a bigger supply, and then every single time we'll just frustrate them more and more and more until they don't want to play anymore, and that's when we'll spring the price action. I'm in the camp of thinking in the next couple of months are going to be bullish. I just think people want it to happen way sooner than it's going to, and they're going to get flooded out, and they're going to get upset, and they're going to probably leave because they're impatient, they're bored, and they just want something to happen, and they stop looking for the clues, they stop reading the technicals, they stop actually paying attention to the details of the news and the fundamentals, and they just buy at the wrong times. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that you need to take a lesson from, that we all need to take a lesson from, excuse me, is that we need to make sure that we're being patient because, you know, I've said this for a while, patience tested is patience built, and patience is one of the tools that you use to transfer wealth from the people that are impatient to yourself. So you definitely want to be on the side of patience. I promise you it will pay off. If we look here at Bitcoin, though, we can also see another couple of things that are showing bullishness. We've actually seen, even with this red candlestick over the last day, there is a, there is a uh, th this candlestick has turned from purple to green. What does that mean? Well, basically what we're looking at here is candlestick coloring on the Lux Algo technical indicator. So if you don't know what Lux Algo is, it is this indicator with the cell signals and the cloud here and the reversal zones and the trend catcher. That's what we're looking at and the coloring of the candlesticks and these little X's. It's a great indicator. You should definitely check it out. You can use coupon code JEB, J-E-B-B, for 20% off at checkout. Links down below. I love this indicator. And the reason is because it shows us whether we're in a strong uptrend or a weak uptrend. So these purple colors, these purple candlestick colorings of uh, colors here showed us that we were in an uptrend yes after this buy signal but we were not in a strong uptrend. Instead, now that we've seen it, it turn to green, even on the red candlestick, that shows us that we're moving into a strong uptrend. That is great. We can also see that we're currently finding support on what's known as the trend catcher. That's what this little line is here. It's called the trend catcher. It's currently sitting at $42,000. Bitcoin's sitting at $42,000. I'm hoping that we will bounce off of that and use that as support. That would be phenomenal. We can also take a look here at volume, though, and we'll see that the volume is relatively low. The volume has not been doing very well over the last couple of days, and I actually want Tim's opinion on that. Tim, why do you think the volume is so low over the last week now that we've been trading in this zone? Well, you know, I, I just read chat and a lot of people are saying they think it's the Russian news. And again, I, we said this before, uh, I want to find out more details. It could be, but the Russian news has been in and out. It's been hot and cold for the last how many weeks now? Uh, you know, it, two, two I just months. don't think that that's what's doing anything. I think it's a convenient timing. I think that stories are being put out and not all the details have actually been collected. Uh, so the reason the volume is low is the same reason I just said. I'm almost going to repeat myself. <coughs> it wasn't ready. A lot of people don't look at volume. A lot of people, even if they do look at volume, don't know how to read the volume. What you're looking for is big upticks for breakouts, and then you see, want continuation afterwards. Even the times we see a couple, a few random Again, if you're looking short time frame, it's it's really big. When you zoom out, you're like, oh, that's not really that much volume at all. But they're not continued at all. We don't see any bunched up volumes. You know what do we call those? Uh, bars. You know, volume we don't bars. see a bunch of them stacked up. We see one that skyrockets and then immediately drops. And what that is is that's telling you. Like I read that and say this is a trap. This is them trying to get me to think it's time. Here we go. Bitcoin's rallying. And right as I buy, they sell, and now I'm stuck. Now, if, I, I want to start by saying, because somebody's called this out before, if you're a hodler, buy. You know, this is a great price to buy. I'm talking about those who are getting frustrated because they're trying to trade, and they're not buying where they want. They buy, and then the price drops, and then they freak out, and they sell at a loss. I'm talking to those people. If you're a hodler, keep DCA, buy. It's a great time to buy in the long term of things. But if you're trading, yeah, they're, they're purposely trying to frustrate you. So if you're sitting here frustrated, that was their game plan. It worked. Absolutely. And I think it's very important that we do understand that there are limitations to technical analysis. For example, the Russian news is not really a kicked off just yet, but we did have a statement coming out from Biden about 
15 minutes ago where he said, my sense is that Russia will invade Ukraine within the next several days. That is a direct quote from the president of the United States. So I'm not necessarily saying I agree with him, but that's what he said. So we're going to see where that goes. I think it's very important that we as traders don't freak out until we know something. But at the same time, we do know that there's FUD in the market and we do know that people are fearful and we do know that people are uncertain. And for some reason, there's still people in cryptocurrency that think that their money is safer in the US dollar than in Bitcoin. So I would not be surprised if the Russia uh, news, it's not news yet, but the Russia FUD was causing a little bit of this drop. But I think it's important also that we understand that Russia and Ukraine going at it does not really have a whole lot to do with Bitcoin because that is a very that conflict is very unlikely to escalate into anything more than what we saw with you with uh, Crimea back in 2013 was it 2014 I forget exactly when the when Crimea was taken but it would probably not escalate that far into a global conflict like people are worried that it will I'm not saying it's a good thing I don't want there to be any kind of conflict whatsoever we're praying for peace that's what we want we want peace in the in uh, Eastern Europe but but my point is, it's probably not going to have as big of an actual logistical impact on Bitcoin as you might think. It's just going to drive fear. So I don't think we should worry too much about it. But I, do, I also don't think yeah. it's wise for us to completely ignore I, it. I, I wouldn't even go back. I, we talked about this on the show, I don't know, screen. two weeks ago. And that's why I said this is this story's just been dragging on. I think someone in chat just mentioned the, the White House said this on Wednesday, last Wednesday as well, that they thought that the next couple of days is coming. When you look at news reports in Europe, and I would love for anyone who's in chat who lives in Europe, tell me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. But the news in Europe continues to say they don't believe that that Putin actually wants to invade. That wouldn't be good for Putin. It wouldn't be good for Europe or the United States either, but it wouldn't be good for Russia. Uh, this seems to be an American American news Narrative. saying, hey, yeah. guys, we're about to see war. That's Whereas the people yeah. who are actually closer to the details are saying, I don't think we're going to see war. Yeah. And even what we just saw, at least what I'm seeing in the news, it doesn't even look like it was Russian troops. It looks like it was Russian separatists or Ukrainian citizens who sympathize with Russia. So that's not I mean, that that's not war. That's that's Ukraine attacking Ukraine. It's just Ukraine. Russian sympathizers are attacking Ukrainians. That's well, not Putin invading. Jeb, you know what would be interesting if, uh, if just super brief, just for reference, you could pull up uh, a truly like the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 and look yeah. at what the markets did in March of 2014 around the Crimea conflict. Did That's it, a good I'm point. sure there was a bit of a dip, but how long did it take to uh, recover or, if, or was point. it uh, more of a speculative, uh, you know, like fear mongering uh, within the markets that then was a nothing burger? Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying the, the Crimea conflict was in March of 2014. I couldn't remember exactly when it was. Let's look at March of 2014 here. If that's when it occurred, then that's actually pretty interesting because there was a small dip in the S&P 500 here in March. You can see that we were sitting at 188 points over on the SPY on March 3rd. We pulled back a, um, an extreme 4% within the next 35 days. And then from there, we went on to push new all-time highs, rallying 10% in the next 100 days. So the SPY did not really have a major, um, did not really do a whole lot there. Now, you might argue that this is a potentially larger conflict than what happened in Crimea, and you would probably be right. But at the same time, the market being down 9% doesn't only have to do with Ukraine. It also has to do quite a bit with the global, uh, with the global supply chain crises that are still going on. It has to do with FUD over... 
you know, a, like a fourth wave of the of the of the flu and a lot of other things that are impacting the market, not just the Ukraine Crimea. Now, there is one thing that I'm reading here. Now, the only reason that I'm looking at CNN here is because they're the ones that seem to have everything that they're posting live updates. As of five minutes ago, CNN reports Russia expels deputy chief of, of mission at U.S. Embassy in Moscow, which the U.S. calls an escalatory step. Russia expelled the second most senior diplomat at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow without any justification in what the Biden administration views as an escalatory move, the State Department said on Thursday. So I think it's very important that we understand that there is a potential that this thing heats up. There is. And we need to be ready for that from the market standpoint. I think it's ridiculously unlikely that this turns into a global conflict or anything like some people are saying. I really don't think that's what's going to happen. Putin knows that that would end very badly for him. The best case scenario would be that it would end in the total annihilation of Russia. And I don't think he wants that. So I don't think that that's something that would escalate that far. And quite frankly, I would still be surprised if he were to go into, uh, into the Ukraine. Because as we talked about a second ago, as Tim mentioned, there are plenty of reasons to believe that he's not going to do that with all the sanctions that would be laid on him. He'd be kicked out of SWIFT. He would he would lose his ability to sell natural gas to, to Europe. He would lose all he would lose any standing he has on the on the geopolitical stage. NATO is a hell of a lot stronger than Russia is, and Russia knows that. That's why they don't want Ukraine joining NATO. So the fact is, Putin is positioning as if he has chips to play, and he really doesn't. And the U.S. is taking him seriously because we should take it seriously. But everybody else in Russia, excuse me, in Europe that understand what's, understands what's going on, oh, yeah. there was a minister from Belarus recently that are calling his bluff and saying, hey, you're not going to do anything. You're positioning because you want to look like the big dog, but it's just not going to happen. So I would really love to hear Smay's thoughts on all this. Smay, geopolitically, what do you think Russia is doing right now? Why are they positioning on the border if, the, if many different analysts in Europe are saying that they're not going to invade um well to be honest with you I, I i there's no way to actually really know you know what i mean there's no way like we're not in those those meeting rooms we're not we can only just kind of try to put pieces together based off of actions um and to be honest with you i think with the way that the way things are going right now i think we might end up seeing some kind of conflict in with between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and I think we'll probably like, I think there will be some kind of uh, in, invasion or something. Uh, but I don't know if I agree with you guys. I don't think it's going to escalate into this massive, you know, this massive war unless, you know, for some reason, everyone just kind of loses their minds and they're like, uh, you know, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know what I mean? I think people are a lot smarter than that. Uh, so I think this is going to just be something that is uh, that comes and goes. And then, you yeah, know, yeah. next thing you know. Uh, it's going to be something else uh, a few years from now. I think now, it's also you know? important, and I want to throw it to Tim here in just a second, but I think it's also important that we realize that Russia is not as powerful as you think it is. Now, they do have a nuclear arsenal. That much is true, but I very much doubt Putin wants to use that because he knows that NATO has one also. The whole mutually assured destruction thing didn't go away after the Cold War ended. Everybody thought that Russia, uh, excuse me, that the Soviet Union was this superpower. Let me break something down for you. The Soviet Union never had anywhere near the powerful military that the United States did. They were far behind technologically for pretty much the entire time, except for when the MiG-23 came out. That only lasted for a couple of years, and the United States and NATO caught up and surpassed it. The MiG-23 was not as, as advanced as people thought it was back in the 70s. Russia, excuse me, the Soviet Union was spending over 25% of gross domestic product, not of tax revenue, gross domestic product on military, and they couldn't keep up with the United States, let alone the rest of NATO, when the United States was using 3 to 5% of GDP, and they had a much more strong uh, military and army. 
Germany, the only reason that the Soviet Union was a threat was one, ideologically, because there were spies going into the into NATO into NATO allies and, and into America sowing disunity, but also because of the nuclear threat. The Soviet Union was never a threat economically to NATO as far as a war of attrition, which is the way that normally goes. The other thing I need you to understand is that Russia is nowhere near as powerful as the Soviet Union was. You look at it on a map and you say, look at this giant country. It's the biggest nation on the planet, has more surface area than the planet of Pluto. That's a true fact. Go ahead and look that up. But its gross domestic product is smaller than Italy. Why are we so worried about it? They have a large military because they spend so much of their money on it. I understand that there's a threat here, but I also want us to keep that threat in perspective. Putin is not going to use that arsenal of his. He's just not going to do it. If he does, it's going to end very badly for him, and he knows that. And if he does invade Ukraine, then what's going to happen is that he's going to basically get kicked out of every international monetary system that there is, and his entire economy will collapse, and egg will be on his face. So I'd be very surprised if he does actually invade, and if he does, it's not going to end well for him. Tim, you had something to say on that. Yeah, well, I I wanted to kind of go off of something Smey said, and Smey was 100% right. We will never know the actual details until something actually happens, because we're not in the room. We're not seeing what's happening. But, there's an old fable called The Boy Who Cries Wolf. Yep. And what happens is when you cry wolf over and over and over and over, and there's no wolf, people stop believing you. Guess what? Someday there might be a wolf and you cry wolf and you're being 100% honest, but because you cried wolf so often, no one actually listened. We don't know what's going to happen, but what we do know is there's the U.S. media that cries wolf (coughs) day after day after day. And so if Ukraine does get invaded by Russia, I don't think I think what's going to come out is we're going to see worldwide news say shots fired, bombs laid, you know, Russia invades Ukraine. I don't think we can trust U.S. media. And I don't I agree. I, I, I don't think I can trust CNN. I don't think I can trust Fox. I don't think I can trust any of them. Like they all like to make things entertaining and that's what yep. news has become and they end up crying wolf what i want to see is actual people on the ground right there actually seeing what's happening reported yeah absolutely and the people that are there are the people that are saying that um uh, the people that are there are actually the ones that are saying that it seems like nothing is going to occur. Exactly. So, Kelly, I want to throw it to your final thoughts for <clears throat> not only the uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine situation, but also any on-chain metrics you have, any technical analysis that you want to throw at us. I would love to hear your take on the markets as a whole. I'm just going to keep it quite brief. Uh, I agree with uh, all the things you said, uh, everybody, and and I think it's really important, especially in uh, today's sort of environment. You know, even like uh, the difference in conversation that I have with my dad now versus 10 years ago, uh, you know, or 15 years ago, back when I still lived in the the Southwest. And I've been, I live in, I live in New York now for the last 14, uh, 13, 14 years. And uh, just having the difference in where we live, it's interesting because now I'm surrounded by different uh, things and, and uh, you know, I end up, we end up watching different news sources and it's, it's really important to, to, to realize that you have to have an open mind and a compassionate open heart to anybody with any viewpoint, because even like when my dad and I talk, sometimes we get into uh, tense uh, arguments over what the truth is. And the, the fact of the matter is I'm, sur- I, you know, I'm surrounded by all these news stories uh, that basically give me all the facts that make me allude to my illusion that th- that make me think that I'm right in what I'm thinking and believing. And then when uh, when I when he shares the news sources he's seeing, it's a completely contrary narrative with completely different facts. So in, in all honesty, it's a bit scary. And so with that being said, we need to allow ourselves to be a bit more open minded about what the truth may actually be. And it's probably somewhere down the middle of the, you know, the disparity between the very left and the very right uh, side thinking. It's probably a lot more central and a lot more of us are a lot more central than we like to believe. 
see. But bringing it back to Bitcoin, I just have something uh, very quick that I'll share show that uh, I've been working on uh, here in the in Glassnode uh, studio on the workbench. Uh, and this is uh, basically this Bitcoin extreme top uh, and bot- extreme top and extreme bottom zones, as well as this uh, blue oscillating line here, which is basically uh, uh, bullish or bearish momentum, basically how fast the price is moving towards or away from the realized price value. Uh, and if I zoom in here on this metric, the interesting thing I want to show you here is when this when the when this blue oscillation gets above this red line or below this green line above this red line is basically a hot zone you you probably want to look for to start taking profits and below this green line is uh, essentially like basically a very good buy the dip opportunity as you can see right here this is this honestly went down a little bit further just like when it went above this it, the price still moved a little bit but it's it's showing you that you need to keep your eyes on the charts because it looks like the price is very likely to uh, uh, oscillate the opposite direction, uh, and c- because markets are cyclical. But the thing I wanted to point out here is when this when the when this oscillation gets above this center line right here, this gray grayish line, uh, it's sin- signaling it tends to signal that the the momentum is 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 basically trying to make a move that direction. And what we just did right here is we're we're actually kind of in this sort of retest zone, just like we are in all. All the price action ranges we are right now, uh, even looking directly at the uh, at the uh, Bitcoin chart, we're, we're oscillating right here between the support and resistance zone, just like we are mm-hmm. right here on this oscillation, trying to find support. The, the market is trying to trying to find the direction it wants. Uh, and so what we just need to be patient right now with all this firestorm of news between the Fed and, uh, you know, Russia. But there's at the end of the day, what are all the other news stories that we share today? There's there's so much perpetual, increasing and ongoing bullish momentum that's happening in terms of the development in the back end, the behind the scenes in terms of institutionals getting involved, uh, institutional uh, uh, players getting involved, uh, more addresses being created. You know, than where it's just up and to the right price action when you zoom out is up and to the right uh, with this noise that we're looking at on a zoomed in level. Yes, we're having a little bit of volatility, but I think at the end of the day, Supply is going down and demand at some point will come in and the price is going to moon from there. So all, all we can do right now is play those uh, play it safe with the downside resistances uh, and see where we're going to go from here. And I think it's really important that we just understand that we cannot walk in a spirit of fear around all of this. We can't walk in a spirit of fear that oh, Russia is going to invade Ukraine. That's going to drop the price or the Fed's going to come out and raise interest rates by, by the, the prime rate by a quarter percent. And that's going to drop the markets or they're going to curtail QE and that's going to drop the markets. And S&P 500 is going to drop the markets. We need to look at things realistically, and we need to understand that there are things that will happen to the market that will cause them to move in a certain way. The fact that Russia and Ukraine are, you know, positioning right now definitely is having an impact on the market. That is beyond a shadow of a doubt as as far as I'm concerned. The, The thing is, we don't need to get fearful. I'm not saying that we don't need to say, okay, if Russia invades Ukraine, this might occur. And if this occurs, then that will cause the market to do this. I'm not saying we don't do analysis. I'm not saying we don't do predictions. I'm not saying that we don't make sure that we're being wise. But what I am saying is that we don't need to walk in a spirit of fear and say, oh my gosh, Bitcoin's going to go down and it's going to fail if this happens. We th- There's no point in that. If it happens, it happens and we'll figure it out as we go. We can plan for it. But at the end of the day, we just need to walk in peace and understand that this is bigger than all of us. So that is 
is my final thought on that. Does anybody have any final thoughts on that before we go to community? The last thing I'm going to say, again, and I think that when you're reading the, when you're listening to the news, and I'm not talking about media, I'm just talking about looking at the adoption, looking at what's happening, looking at what people are talking about. You're then looking at the charts. What I'm seeing right now, and the reason why it's the the title is the way it's titled. You know, we have to see the rest of the day what ends up happening with the price. But the price is going down. You know, no one can dispute that. It's, it, everyone agrees the price is going down. That's what's happening. But as we talked about earlier, I think a lot of retail investors are getting bored. Institutions are heating up. That we do know. We see that happening. We see states coming in to adopt the, the adopt Bitcoin and crypto. We see countries continue to warm up. Retail investors are getting cold, but the institutions are coming. And guess what will make the price finally go crazy? It's when institutions say, you know what? I'm on board. Let's go ahead and get in on Bitcoin. It's coming. Just learn to be patient. Learn to calm down. This is the best season to learn fundamental analysis, how to read it. Technical analysis, how to read it. On-chain analysis, how to read it. Learn right now. Be patient and watch your portfolio grow and grow and grow and grow. Absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into some some super chats. We got a bunch of them, so let's go ahead and dive into those, and then we're going to jump into some TA on Ethereum. Yeah, we have uh, RC Moore said VeChain thoughts and TA please. Good news, RC. We're doing VeChain. VeChain's coming up here in a couple so minutes. We'll go on past that one. Daniel Crabell. Crable? Crabble? I don't know. Uh, as I say in my company, administration before acceleration. That is what that is what Bitcoin is doing. Little consolidation before we move up. Yes, no, that's a very important thing that we understand at our company, too, is that if you want to grow exponentially, you got to yeah. build systems that allow that to grow. I, I tell Tim, Tim's an executive in the company. He's our chief product officer. He's not just a person on, on on camera. I tell Tim and, you know, our chief marketing officer, Shannon, our chief operating officer, Manny, I tell them all the time, don't come up with a solution. Come up with a system that, call, that, that creates solutions. Mm -hmm. Create a repeatable system that repeatedly solves a repeated problem or a repeated issue or a repeated thing that you want to do. We don't need to walk in this room and say, okay, well, how are we going to do coffee and crypto today? No, we got a whole structure. Like, there's a reason I have this iPad here. I got six pages of notes here, guys, about how to run this show. This is a system. And so what you're talking about is absolutely right. Bitcoin is building underlying architecture and administration and systems that allows for Bitcoin to grow. Some of those things are states adopting Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Some of those things are different updates like Taproot and, uh, you know, uh, Merkle trees and everything, the, all of the blockchain development going on behind the scenes on Bitcoin and Ethereum and Cardano. So systems development is really where it's at. A lot of people yeah. think that it's boring. It's not. It's very important. Yeah. Let's see here. We got one from Crypto Nautilus saying, do you see a bullish pennant on the Bitcoin daily chart? Bull pennant on the Bitcoin daily chart. Yes. So that is something that I will show you really quickly. <clears throat> I wouldn't call it a pennant. It's more of a flag. We've talked about how there is a bull flag going on right now. This bull flag actually gives us a price target of $52,000, which is interesting because $52,000 is the level that we should be going up to test because I, I made a video a few days ago. You should go back and watch it about how 52K is the gate and key to all-time high runs. I do think that this pennant is going to play out, but it's really going to depend on how much of this geopolitical news is, is going to impact the market over the next couple of days. Inverse head and shoulders pattern should be pointing in that direction, but we just don't know if it's going to follow through on that. So yeah, I definitely do see a bull flag. It's not a pennant, it's a flag. It's parallel trends. They're not converging, um, but yeah, I do see it, and I think it's valid. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Crypto 
uh, Crypto Nautilus also wanted to say, just got CT2A. Woo! Absolutely amazing. Welcome to CT2A. God bless Jeb and, te- and team. Um, yeah. Thank you. Guys, make sure awesome. to sign up for CT2A if you haven't already. It is the one-stop shop to learn everything you need to know about technical analysis. It's one of our specialties here is technical analysis. If you want to learn how all of us, myself, Tim, and Kelly do RTA, you're going to learn how to do that in, in CT2A because yeah. we're not always going to be able to do analysis on the exact coin that you want to see. So we want to teach you how to do it on your own. As my dad always told me, Jeb, never let somebody else do your thinking for you. You got to be able to think for yourself. And we want to teach you how to think for yourself and equip you with those tools and skills so that you're able to do that. You can find the link to CT2A with the link in the description box down below. Alumni represent. Do you like CT2A or not? Tell us in chat. Brett said, appreciate you guys. Glad to see Tim back. It's glad to be back, Brett. I love being here. Uh, that was our super chats, but uh, there's a couple comments, that, so I'll read here. Here's one from Pat Doyle. He said, um, is Russia the reason we cannot get any traction in the market? I'd say it's part of it. I'd say yeah. it's also, there's a lot of uncertainty around US, econo- uh, 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 US dollar monetary policy right now as to whether or not the Fed is going to raise interest rates or not, because if they do, that's going to have a pretty big impact on the uh, markets. It always does. They need to raise interest rates. They need to start curtailing QE. We don't know if they're going to. And the fact is, the United States has hegemony over the entire planet right now because of that world reserve currency status. That is the biggest tool, even more powerful than the US military, that the United States government has to impact the entire global economy is their hege- is their hegemony uh, their domination over the U.S. dollar and over the rest of the over the rest of the world. So when you start seeing uncertainty as to whether or not the U.S. dollar is a stable currency, that puts a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the entire cryptocurrency market because you got CPI data coming out, which is completely skewed and full of it, saying that we're seeing 7.5 percent inflation over the last uh, 12 months, which is crazy because it's actually more like 20 percent if you look at if if, if you I've tweeted this a while ago. You take CPI data, multiply it by three. That's probably what real mm-hmm. inflation is. Inflation has been the the target has been one to two percent for the last seven the last 50 years uh, that the Fed has tried to keep it at they failed that because we've inflated the US dollar so much I think that is actually having a bigger impact than the Russia Ukraine news although the Russia Ukraine news certainly isn't helping I think it's a multitude of things mm. absolutely last one I saw here and, I, and a, it's a small discussion and we can jump back into I think we're doing Ethereum TNA yes hey uh, bloop scoop said but I was told the Super Bowl was going to lead to a rally yeah you didn't hear that here <laughs> we said it was probably going to be a buy the rumor sell the news event yeah. and it probably was going to mean absolutely nothing I, I do think that you know if you thought it was going to happen immediately I I do think that there were are people that are going to get into crypto due to those ads, even if it doesn't happen right now. That might be a very, 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 very delayed response. Yeah, I agree. But, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember sitting here saying, guys, if you think the Super Bowl is going to pump the price, you're very wrong. In the same way that when people said that Dogecoin was going to get pumped when Elon won an SNL, they were very wrong. Yep. The price went down. We're seeing the exact same thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, Kelly, we got a tweet that I want you to show. It's talking about leverage long liquidation on the hourly candlesticks. Can you go ahead and show us what that is? Yeah, of course. Here we go. So this is from a, a analyst I follow, follow regularly. I actually have him on my Twitter spaces regularly, too. His name's OnChain College. And he's just pointing out here. And the only reason I'm even wanting to point this out is because, as you see where this uh, green circle is here, uh, this is the highest, uh, basically, liquidations we've had since uh, uh, January 24th. And the whole, re- not that this is some astronomical number. It wasn't a huge amount. It was $23 million. But what we really want to point out here is the fact that 
it is incredibly, incredibly important for all of you that are investing or trading, especially if you're trading, wow. uh, as, and it's even more so if you're leverage trading. One, I don't recommend, and we don't recommend you leverage trade unless you're an absolute seasoned professor, absolutely uh, professional, and professor. you really have very good risk management. But two, make sure that you understand there's certain scenarios and certain uh, uh, environments of, of of the market that you don't that are basically like no trade zones right now. Yes, we've sort of started an uptrend, but it's not clearly defined and it's not a, it's not a confident uptrend. And so uptrend. And so you don't necessarily want to go in and put leverage positions, but either up or down in any direction until you have a confident direction that's uh, defined. And right now that's not the case. So just trade safe. That's really just a, a PSA that I wanted to share with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really important, Kelly. Um, let's go ahead and jump onto my chart though. We're going to do some Ethereum technical analysis. Going to run through this pretty quickly. Then we're going to jump into VeChain and Cardano. And you know what, Tim? Would you like to do the V-Chain technical analysis when we get to it instead of me? Yeah, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Love I, would it. Love to, I would love to see you do that. All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and jump into Ethereum. Let's go ahead and do this like a horse race. As you guys know, we are in an inverse head and shoulders pattern here on Ethereum. We have a downtrending neckline, a downtrending shoulder line. Bitcoin right now has been undergoing a correction over the last couple of days. And so too has Ethereum. Ethereum has been following that correction that Bitcoin has been going through. And the fact is, Ethereum has not moved into a super bearish position here. A lot of people want to say, oh, Ethereum's rally is dead. No, it's not. What we're seeing is that the price target is still sitting up here at 4300 bucks. Unless we drop below $2,800, which is this downtrending level of support on Ethereum. We're not out of the, we're not, you know, we're not in bad territory. We're doing okay. We're in good shape. We just really need to see what Bitcoin does. And I want you guys to also remember there are some massive bullish signals happening out here on the weekly chart. For example, we are seeing that there is an uptrending level of support here on the longer term price action chart on the weekly. And then we're also seeing downtrending level of supports, uh, downtrending levels of support here on the MACD and the RSI. All of that tells us that there is long term bullish MACD and RSI divergence sitting out here on the weekly chart. But also, if we look here on the daily chart, I just want to go ahead and do some Fibonacci retracement and show you where some of these levels are. The th interesting thing here is that if we go ahead and do Fibonacci retracement, Bitcoin is actually finding support here at the 61.8% uh, region. We talked about like a month and a half ago how it would probably go down to 70. 8.6. That's exactly what it did. We bounced up and now we just bounced off of the Fibonacci golden pocket sitting here in between 61.8 and 65%. That is a great thing. I would love to see that occur again. But there's a couple more things I want to show you here. If we look at the RSI, we can see that I, I wanted to show you this because it's important that you know that this did not happen. This is a nothing story, but I want to show you that it didn't happen. There was an opportunity here for Bitcoin to have, for Ethereum, excuse me, to have bearish RSI divergence where we would see a, uh, <clears throat> a high and then a lower high on the price action and then a high and then a higher high on the RSI. That did not occur. That's great. We don't want to see bearish RSI divergence there. That would be relatively bad. But at the same time, there is a slightly longer term bearish RSI divergence using these two peaks right over here and then these two peaks right here on RSI. So you do want to keep an eye out for that. I wouldn't put too much stock in it, though. We've already seen a small correction, and I think Ethereum is really following through on Bitcoin more than it is anything else. I do want to show you the volume, too. The volume's dropping off. Not really a bullish signal. I want to see volume increasing. I want to volatility increasing. We're not really seeing that happen over the last week. Same thing happening on ETH as is on Bitcoin is undergoing quite a bit of consolidation and Ethereum really is following Bitcoin. Now, there's a few more things I want to show you. I want to show you Lux Algo here. Lux Algo actually just had a strong sell signal come into play. We had a buy signal, just saw a strong sell signal. Now, this is not confirmed because Trendcatcher has not turned red yet and we would still need Lux Oscillator to, to turn red. But the fact that we saw a strong sell signal, not just a normal sell signal, does actually put some doubt in me as to whether or not Ethereum can maintain this rally. It really is going to come down to Bitcoin, as I've said already, but we're trying to push here into the EQ cloud, which is this area right here. 
and we're seeing that there's a strong sell signal as we push into it, that's not super encouraging. So Tim, let me ask your opinion on this. How much of what Ethereum is going to do is based on what Bitcoin is going to do versus what Ethereum's technicals and fundamentals are showing? Is Bitcoin the driving force or is Ethereum's market? Well, uh, yeah, right now, Bitcoin is the most important for sure. Uh, and don't go to my charts, mate, because I'm not looking at that. I was setting up stuff for beaching. Bitcoin is the driving force right now. And it doesn't mean Ethereum can't do its own things. Like, for example, and this is a different context, but I was looking at Cardano earlier. And I, I think there's some interesting things happening on Cardano. Don't know if we have time to do that today. Maybe we will. I don't know. My point is, though, that Cardano is also in another coin that I, I'm looking at what's happening on Bitcoin to say, all right, can we can we kind of make a prediction on what we think the crypto market is doing right now? Bitcoin is the hottest topic right now, and it seems like every other altcoin is moving with it, but it is separating itself in little areas. Same thing with Ethereum. I think that for right now, until we see a Bitcoin breakout, you need to just go ahead and understand it's not a one-to-one -one ratio of if Bitcoin goes down 1%, Ethereum will go down 1%, or vice versa. If Bitcoin goes up, then Ethereum goes up the same percentage. But it is a direction header. It is a thing that I think that the market is using right now that people are invested in a lot of different products Projects, and if they don't like that's happening in Bitcoin, they're going to sell in Bitcoin. They're probably also going to liquidate and sell some of their other altcoins as well. So for right now, they are so close. They're not identical. They're so close. You can pr be pretty safe in your investment by just looking at Bitcoin's chart and saying, I'm going to buy and sell based off of what I see happening on Bitcoin. But that day will change. It's just right now. If you if you looked at it two months ago, three months ago, at that point, I would have said, hey, watch what Ethereum's doing. And, and it's, it's actually the leading one. Yeah. Right now, it's Bitcoin. And guess what? Two months from now, it's going to be something else. Yep. Bitcoin's not going to be the leading indicator. It's actually another altcoin that's massive. Maybe Solana, maybe Cardano. I don't know. But it's it's not going to stay this way forever. Just for right now, keep your eye on what's happening. Yeah. No, it's the altcoin engine that I talked about with you guys on a video about a week ago. We talk about how Bitcoin moves, and then the altcoins calm down a little bit and take a backseat, and then the altcoins move, and then Bitcoin calms down and takes a backseat, and they go back and forth and back and forth. We see that happen every single time there's a bull market. At least we saw that happen in the beginning of this bull market. Saw it happen in 2016-17 also mainly in 2017, as Bitcoin started losing much of its market dominance to the likes of Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash and Ethereum and XRP and the like and Dash. Um, at this point, Bitcoin is in the lead, but relatively soon Ethereum will take that lead. But mm -hmm. we need to see that, uh, we need to see Bitcoin get some more confidence behind it before the altcoins are going to be able to take off and run with that. So absolutely, I completely agree with you, Tim. Tim, will you do some technical analysis for us on VeChain? Yeah, I, I've been sitting here looking at this. <clears throat> so go ahead and share my screens, man. Wow, that was weird. This, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, is not going to suffice what a lot of you want to hear. I'm looking at it, and I'm actually saying there's not, there, there are some bigger time frame things that I love doing. So, for example, if I come over here to the three daily, or I can use the week, I can use whatever, we clearly have bullish RSI divergence. What am I talking about here? Look at this down tick right here in price in RSI action. Clearly, we have a trend going on, whereas it's the exact opposite with the price. We have the, the price going up. This is bullish RSI divergence. So, in the long time frame, from the three daily, weekly chart, you are seeing that we're probably going to be seeing bullish action happening within the next couple of months. But I don't think that's really news to you guys. I think everyone is expecting that. There's the question of what is actually happening right now. So this is a question, Jeb, can you see my screen? I can see is, it on the delay. Yeah. If you're looking at this right here and you're looking at, you saw the, the two, like it's almost like a, uh, a, a zone or a, sorry, a trading channel. Yeah. The big one. Is that too long? This is my, I'm getting educated right now. Is that too long to call that a, a bull flag? 
No, absolutely okay. not. No, no I'd, call case, that, I'd call that a bull flag. I've called that a bull it, flag. It's a real past. long flag. I, I rarely is. see flags that long. No, that's a flag. I, th- but, I, but I you think said- a good rule of thumb is when uh, when you start to notice that the flag portion starts to far out extend how uh, how long the flagpole was leading into that. That's your yes. point. Okay, now, so- that's what you normally. That's what I would normally do to clarify. I would normally take the flagpole, rotate it ninety degrees, and if the flagpole is shorter than the flag itself, then you got a lopsided flag. That's how I would normally do that. Now, what I will say, if that flag ends up playing out. That ends up putting uh, a price prediction of four dollars and eleven cents for uh, VeChain. It's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I don't know if uh, maybe someday. You know, Jeb, what do you think the likelihood of VeChain getting up to four dollars? Well, zero. Yeah, that's, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so think that's that, that's yeah. another thing I was gonna say is that you got to be careful on these on using a bull flag in the territory where we've seen a massive. Wait a minute, how are you getting that? That's but, not even possible. How yeah. are you getting a four dollar flagpole? What? Hang on a second. Let me look that up. That does not make any sense to me. I don't know how you would be able to. You must be drawing something it's, exponential. It's, no, it's probably because of the logarithmic uh, scaling. Potentially. Do you want me to take it off log? No, here. Let here me look go. at it real quick. I'm curious how you're getting that. Let me just go ahead and draw yeah. this log. Well, crap. You are, you are predicting it that high. Let's take it off of log. Well, no, you kind of have to do it. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, huh. that's what I'm saying. Anyway, so... I told you guys, you're not going to like this. This is really messy. I don't Let's think Let's go that's ahead and zoom in and look at what's happening more here, maybe over the next couple of days slash weeks. We are in a falling wedge. This is a bullish sign. Again, it actually would make a lot of sense sending us back up towards the top of this falling trading channel. But what I'm kind of seeing right here that I don't know if we're ready to break out of that falling wedge is look at these points right here. We have this uptick in RSI action. However, we had a downtick clearly in price action. This is bearish RSI divergence. I actually think we're going to come down deep into this falling wedge, come back down, touch the bottom before we'll see a rally. So uh, I don't know if VeChain's ready yet to break. Uh, But again, there's a lot of a lot of unknowns here with VeChain. Sorry, yeah, with VeChain. Bollinger Bands, you know, we're kind of sitting right at the 20 daily SMA. Not really sure. Are we going to break down below it? Are we going to bounce and go back up to the top? I don't know. But here's something I will say that someone showed us the other day, and I want to bring it back up, and that is VeChain over ETH. Now, this is really, really interesting, and I drew this the other day. I showed everyone very, very short time frame of this, but I want to remind for anyone who wasn't here and didn't get to see this, look at this chart right here. VeChain over Ethereum, we constantly will set a falling wedge, come down right to this level of how many zeros is that? Point zero 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 zero. It's like four zeros, and then one eight. We'll get down to this level, and then we'll shoot up, and then we'll come back down to this level, and we'll shoot up, and come back down to this level, and we'll shoot up. Guess where we're sitting? We're sitting right above that level. That means that maybe there's a little bit farther down to go on VeChain over Ethereum. But watch potentially VeChain have a great next couple of months as it potentially shoots back up again before another drop down to these levels. Absolutely, guys. Well, if you want to learn how to do more technical analysis like what Tim just did, then you should definitely check out the Cryptocurrency Technical Analysis Academy. That's the academy that Tim learned all of his basis for technical analysis from. Kelly's been using it. I've obviously created it. Make sure that you check that out. The link is in the description box down below. We got thousands of happy customers, happy students, happy alumni that have gone through CT2A. CT2A alumni, feel free to represent in the chat. I'm going to go ahead and do some TA here on Cardano. We're going to wrap it out with some super chat. So let's go ahead and look at my screen. Ada sitting at $1.05, sitting down here around a dollar. Right now, Ada is my favorite stable coin. And quite frankly, I'm very happy that it is because that gives us more opportunity to buy it down here at a dollar when I firmly believe in the next three to five years, it will go to 10. You think it's valuable now? You just wait until smart contracts, the decentralized application ecosystem come online. You got Cody coming. You got the Daedalus wallet seeing a ton of adoption. 
You have all of these different major updates coming in the next year. And by the way, hopefully when some of those updates come out, we're going to get Charles back on the show to tell us about them. So look forward to that and make sure to tweet him uh, and try and get him back on the show. He seemed interested. Guys, the fact of the matter is Cardano is built for a purpose and is built on principles. It was not built for price. And by the way, the same thing is true for Ethereum and the same thing is true for Bitcoin. I'm not saying that Cardano is special in that, although Cardano, Bitcoin, and Ethereum kind of are. Most of the cryptocurrencies in this market were not built on principles and purpose and helping people. They were built for a profit. And they were built for price action. That's not a currency that I really want to put a lot of money into. I put a lot of money into those big three because of the fact that they were built on solid principles. People mock me sometimes for saying I invest in principles. Well, you go right ahead and do that until you buy into a project that was built purely on hype, has no backing, has no user base, has no technology, has no real use case. It 100x's. You want it to go 1,000x, so you hold on to it, and then it dumps and you lose your investment. I would much rather buy into a project that grows slower, but grows sustainably because it's actually doing something in the world. And by the way, I'd also like to support the Cardano ecosystem because I genuinely believe it's doing good things for the world. As far as the price is concerned, though, guys, it has been hovering down here around a dollar for quite some time. That does tell me that we are going to more than likely hold here. I would be surprised personally if Cardano were to have a major drop below a dollar. It can happen. I'm not telling you it can't, yeah. but I think it would require Bitcoin going into a major correction down to $33,000 or something for Cardano to do that. And if it does that, guys, here's what you need to remember. Cardano has its fundamentals growing faster than ever. We had Plutus back in, come online for smart contract functionality. We have decentralized applications and dApps. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> hundreds of dApps coming online right now. We got DEXs coming online. You got Sunday Swap coming online. You got ADAX coming online. You got its own different projects coming online. You're looking at Cody. There's all these things going on behind the scenes that were not here a year ago. Number of active wallets, I believe, just passed 3 million, whereas a year ago, is that a million? Don't quote me on that statistic, but it has increased massively. And the price actually has still stayed around a dollar. The price is now lagging behind the fundamentals, and that means that that price will eventually go parabolic, and we will see a $5 to $10 Cardano in the next three to five years. I do think that Cardano is the only project in the cryptocurrency space that has the ability to challenge Ethereum for the number one layer one decentralized application protocol. And I do think that it is going to have a fighting chance at doing that. Uh, Cardano uh, Cardano's obviously behind the ball on that, but it's catching up a lot faster than ETH because most of ETH's development going on right now is Ethereum trying to fix problems that were baked into the original project because the technology didn't exist yet to build Ethereum the way that it needed to be built. Cardano was the one that created proof of stake. Ethereum's trying to move in the direction of proof of stake so much of its development is going in that direction while Cardano is being able to move forward with new strides. And we don't get support from Cardano for saying that at all. I just really do believe in the technology. Mm -hmm. As far as the price is concerned, some of my price targets, if it does go into a rally, we're looking at levels like $1.50. That is a previous level of resistance that we pushed all the way up to. We're obviously looking at $1.21. We did reject off of that recently. I do think that when you see Cardano start rallying, you're going to see it rally with a fervor. You're going to see it rally with a vengeance because I think the hashtag Ada gang is ready for a big rally. I think you're going to see something similar happen to what we saw back in July, where when Bitcoin kicks off and Ethereum kicks off, then you're going to see Cardano rally like a rocket ship, and you are going to see a $3 Cardano when Bitcoin is approaching uh, uh, Seventy-five, hundred thousand dollars. I think you're going to see big. I think you're going to see Cardano outperforming both of those yeah. assets. Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what the next little bit for Cardano looks Go like. Go to my screen real quick. I just want to echo something I said earlier, and, and is that you know there has been the, a following of altcoins just seem to follow Bitcoin. And then you look at this. I'm looking at the four hourly chart, but these are a lot of candles here. This is this this represents a couple of weeks. Let's see. Uh, this is back in uh, January, but you know we could even go back. You know, early January is when this started. We have a falling wedge forming, and it's about time. We're right there at the tipping point that it's time to break out to the upside. <laughs> what you see on the RSI 
We have the down, the, the descending level of RSI, the same as the price action, but we just broke the trend. That, that RSI right there has broken the trend. The price hasn't yet, but will the price follow that? Is this the time? Are we actually looking at within the next couple of days, could Cardano flip? And while Bitcoin maybe moves downward, sideways, you know, stays boring, could Cardano actually get really interesting? And I want to agree with something I think Jeb just said. If Bitcoin and Cardano stay one-to-one -one ratio, I do actually think Cardano has a chance at dropping below a dollar. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think that a dollar is actually really just really strong level support. And what we're seeing on the uh, 88 over Bitcoin chart is that potentially this is the time that Cardano might start to make a split and take a lead away from Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kelly, I know you have a couple things you want to add to that. Tell us a little bit about Cardano and its uh, fees as compared to Ethereum. Well, I, I saw this yesterday and I'm just going to pull this up very, this is super quick for anybody that thinks that Cardano is dead. And I, I understand we need to kind of get rid of this tribalism that we have in, in uh, cryptocurrency. If you have an asset and you don't like another, that's fine. You don't need to drag it down just because you don't like it. But Charles it, even you said that on do, an interview. Yeah. You need to look at the data and look at this right here. Uh, look, look at the higher, we're having higher volume and look at the fees here. $76,000 in fees out of $6.5 billion in volume versus uh, Ethereum's $38.6 million in fees versus $5.8 billion in volume. And then the other thing is, look at this. It's uh, had a new address spike of 167%. So at the end of the day, Cardano is shaping up to have an absolutely excellent next few decades, honestly. But this year alone, I think is going to, especially as all these dApps continue to roll out, the DEXs continue to grow, TVL starts to come in, addresses are going to start to explode. Africa is one of the fastest growing economies in the world, and they're mm -hmm. primed uh, to set up a huge major digital infrastructure there. So uh, whether you like it or not, look at the data. Be unbiased in your decisions yeah. when you're looking at different projects. Yeah, and before long, guys, if Cardano keeps doing what it's going to do, you're going to see uh, Senegal and Kenya, and you're going to see, you know, the, you know, uh, South Africa and all these African nations having better governance systems than the United States does. And as Charles talked about in my interview with him, you're going to have a guy from Wyoming look over at Senegal, and you're going to say that farmer from Senegal has got better governance systems than I do. What the heck? I'm going to go petition my government and say, why don't we adopt this? Because they're able to go and get marriage certificates very easily. They're able to go and get credit scores very easily. They don't have to go through 17 pages of paperwork every time they want to do their taxes because they have systems that actually work correctly. And by the way, they're systems that have inclusive accountability so that you can know that the government's not trying to screw you over because they're open source and you can see what's going on with them. That's what's going to happen. You're going to see this um, start slowly and then all at once in the same way that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency adoption happens. We saw tiny little cities adopting crypto. Then we saw Miami doing it. Then we saw El Salvador doing it. Now we're seeing multiple states in the United States doing it. You're going to see the same thing happen with what, with what Charles calls government. Of tech, government technology, decentralized technology, working in government. It's going to happen slowly and then a little faster and then all at once. By the end of this decade, you are going to see blockchain in government systems and you're going to see government systems running much smoother, faster, and much and, and having much more inclusive accountability than you have ever seen. Cardano is the leader in that. By the way, Ethereum is helping in that as well, but Cardano has better tech. By the way, guys, the cure to my stuff he knows. 1,500 likes. If we get to 1,500 likes, it'll disappear. I, just I'm, just yeah, like that. Boom. So smash the like button, and my stuffy nose will go away. Believe me, guys, do me this favor. I hate not being able to talk the way that I need to talk. I know I probably sound like one of those guys that's on the phone from the peanuts. It's like, wah, 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 wah. That's probably what I sound like right now. Can't really hear myself. Hit the like button. It'll help. Let's go ahead and read some super chats. And I just thought we really hadn't that much talked about like Guys, hit the like button. Hit and the like if, button. You have, if you're new here... Thank you for being here. Consider yeah. hitting subscribe button. We, we're here every single day, five days a week, 9.30 to around 
10.45-ish, 10, maybe 10.50 on some long days. Uh, we have afternoon content. It's a great space, but I think the <laughs> coolest thing about the entire space isn't even Jeb. It's not even me or Kelly or Smay. It's you guys. Hey, it's the man. community. Join this group and community as we grow. We have this mission to see, what is it a million people, a billion people? A billion people. Create financial sovereignty, meaning your money doesn't control you. You control your money. That's what we're about. If you yep. like that, join the group. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, Super Chats, though. Amen. We, uh, we love to interact with you guys. Also, aren't we, do, aren't we doing a member stream after this? Yeah, we have a membership. For, uh, we are doing a yeah. member stream. Yes. So join the, member member join the membership program with that join button right below the like button. Hit that. We will be going into about a 20-minute members-only Q&A and live stream here right after the show. So make sure you join if you haven't already. Uh, Dimitri Juice Jutris. That's a good name. Uh, I'm here since March 2021, Woo. and the way Tim has improved in TA is mind-blowing. Mm. Mad respect to you, non-crypto Tim. Yeah. That's right. My name used to be non-crypto Tim. That's true. Uh, and it was very evident. Again, uh, there's a clip on Instagram. If you yep. guys want to go do some deep, deep digging, I was a hater of XRP, and I have I have repented and asked for forgiveness. But go look at my TA from back. Was that in February or March? That was in February, March, something like that. It was it's rough. It's, it was rough. It's, it's funny. It was hilarious. Well, well I, I will have you know, after doing some historical analysis coffee and crypto officially started in late february so mm, we're coming up on a year so wow, we're wow, coming wow, up wow. on a year baby amen that's Let's crazy uh we have one other super chat and i'm gonna make sure i didn't miss any but uh so oh no we have two more okay uh drinking subset six said ukraine just legalized bitcoin question mark that article came out yeah, four months ago I was looking everybody that up. is talking about that that <laughs> article came out for even pomp tweeted that that article is over on kiev post which kiev is the capital of ukraine um, they talked about parliament passes a law to legalize cryptocurrency in Ukraine. I don't know a lot about what happened here, but that was a, this that was is from September the 8th of 2021. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that. not a new thing. That's, I think, you know, I, yeah, I think that's some people in chat. Just that's some fake news. Well, well, it's not even just people in chat. There's people going around is right like, now on Twitter saying that it just happened. <laughs> There's some fake news going on is what happened. Goodness gracious. Goodness right. news. Uh, Slice Daddy said uh, Jesus wept. That's, that is Jesus the shortest wept. verse in the Bible. Shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, let's see here. One that just came in. Siobhan Goley said, Jeb, you often say price is downstream of fundamentals and fundamentals are uh, upstream of price. Please spread some yeah, light on this. Thanks. Absolutely. So here's the deal, guys. It's actually not that dangerous to drink out of a stream in the woods. So long as you know everything that happens upstream. Mm -hmm. Because if there's a dead deer in the river two miles upstream and you drink the water downstream of that deer, then you're going to get all the pathogens and all the infections and all the bacteria in the water and it's going to be very dangerous. If you're drinking straight out of the source, you might get a little dirt in you, but you're probably going to be fine. You're not going to get, you know, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of the uh, whatever it is. There's a certain kind of jardia. You're probably not going to get jardia if you're right there at the at the source of the water. The problem is, is that if you're drinking out of a stream and you don't know what's upstream, then there's a risk that something upstream might be um, uh, dangerous to you. So when I say prices downstream of fundamentals, what I'm saying is that the fundamentals change what the stream does, either good or bad. The fundamentals might be, okay, Russia might be going into Ukraine and that would be a very bad thing. So that puts some poison downstream and the prices downstream of the fundamentals where you're, um, you know, you're, you're drinking the water downstream, whatever's happening upstream is affecting that water. However, the fundamentals are upstream. The price is downstream. The fundamentals affect the price is what I'm saying. The price is always going to do what it's going to do. Whatever you do to the stream, you're not going to stop the water from flowing. It's still going to flow, but you will change what's in the water. You want the water to taste good. You want it to be clear. You want it to be pure. But as anyone knows, if you go to the Mississippi River, that river, very dirty. 
pretty much any river. You go to the Nile, very dirty. You go to a lot of rivers in India, a lot of rivers in, you know, anywhere. You don't want to drink that water because you have no idea what's happened 200 miles upstream. You got to be careful about that. When I say prices downstream of the fundamentals, I just mean that the fundamentals impact the price, not the other way around. Because if you have a, a carcass in the river at mile seven of the river and you go up to mile five, you're two miles upstream, that carcass doesn't do anything. It's like being downwind. You know, if you're if you're if you're hunting, you you don't you want to be downwind of the uh, deer. You want to be able to smell the deer. You don't want the deer to be able to smell you. So you want the the wind. If the deer is here and you're here, you want the wind blowing that way. So your scent is going that way and they can't smell you, not the other way around. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. The price is downstream of the fundamentals. You want to make sure that, that you understand that the fundamentals impact the price. The price doesn't really impact the fundamentals. It's a one-way street. That's really what I'm getting at there, Shivang. Mm. That's all the super chats that I see. Good deal. So... Yeah. Good deal, guys. Well, thank you so very much for watching, everybody. Let's see if we can't get to 1,500 likes so that my sniffles will go away. I have no symptoms other than sniffles. It might literally just be allergies, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so I'm we, looking forward to that all doing better. But I can update everybody because we are about 24 hours away because it's 1042 okay, yeah, do right it. now. Uh, <coughs> tomorrow, we are doing our HODL trophy Ooh. presentation. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about because you're new here, uh, we every Tuesday, the four of us compete just for fun. Please don't make any trades based off of this. We're not making trades based off of it. But we compete to see what what would you think the price of Bitcoin will be Fridays at 10:45 and the race and it's not very close. It's not as close as sometimes it's been. But 24 hours is a long time. Right now, I am sitting healthily in the lead. My prediction of 42,300 is actually high and it's the lowest prediction. Uh, but as long as it stays below 43,650, I will win. If it gets above that and uh, doesn't get above 46,500, Smay will win with his $45,000 prediction. Uh, Jeb's 48 has a window of 46,500 to 49,171. So, Kelly, it's a long road. 49,171 for you to win. I do not think you're repeating this week. Hey, but hey, it's 24 hours, so, you know, remember, buddy, remember, sorry. remember a few weeks back when it was uh, super <laughs> low and it didn't look like I had a chance in sight. And I didn't actually win that day. But by the end of the day, it's it did hit that 40, 45. Hey. 40, I don't remember what level. So Miracles let's, let's go, baby. Miracles happen. Yeah, if you guys wanna if you guys wanna see Kelly win, you gotta go pump the price. Go so, I would just give me a little pump. Just a little pump and we'll be good. A little pump. <laughs> guys, if you enjoyed today's show, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and make sure to follow us on all of our social media at Crypto Jeb over on Instagram and over on Instagram and Twitter and uh, at Crypto Jeb Official over on TikTok. Wanna give a big shout out to Rory Bjorkman. Yeah. I think I, think I got that right, I, I actually. I think that's actually right. Welcome to the Jebi Master. Uh, welcome to as a Jebi Youngling, you my friend will be able to join the members only live stream that we're starting here in a little bit. We love our members. We got some really great things coming out for our members coming up relatively soon. If you're thinking about joining, you can check the join button down below. There's all kinds of perks of um, joining and supporting the channel as well as joining our community. So thank you very much for everyone who is a part of our community. Guys, that's going to wrap it out for this show. Make sure you check out CT2A if you haven't already. Before I go, though, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching as always. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. Listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9:30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at MacFee Media.